Welcome to the world of culture pop with Steve Mason and Sue Kalinsky. Culture, comedy, movies, TV, tech, authors, trends, pop, pop. This is the Culture Pop Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Culture Pop Podcast. I'm Steve Mason along with Sue Kalinsky. Sue, I can see you and you are wearing like a vest today. It's like a like a winter vest, right? It's a down vest, Steve. A down vest. So I'll tell you a story. Um, right now, there is an ad at Staples Center during Lakers games where John Ireland and I are, are on the big video board. And we took these fancy photographs a couple of years ago at uh, ESPN. And my picture has got me with a down vest. And I have gotten so much shit over this thing. <laughs> Everybody hates this vest. They all have decided that I look like a hipster lumberjack or somebody <laughs> who should be living in Portland or something like So it really offends me. But I love the vest. I think it's a great look. Thank you. And uh, I like this one because it's got like a little kind of like faux fur. Oh yeah, faux so, fur. And then it, it comes up and it, it zips and it snaps and uh Yeah, nice, nice. I, I find it to be very stylish. But I get so. so much crap over my vest on the I, on the big video board at Staples Center. I actually heard um I heard that on, on your show that people were saying that you look like you were from Portland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I'm I, I they gave me an option to change it and I am doubling down. Good for you. I will always wear a vest. It will become my trademark. So, uh, you know, I often talk about the songs that are, or at least last time talked about the song that is trapped in my head. And uh, this one is the worst one of all. Um, you ready for this one? It's a commercial jingle. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I love Tito's tacos. You love Tito's too. The only thing better than Tito's tacos is to. Now, is that an awful one? <laughs> it's an awful one because it just ends so abruptly. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like, well, as, I was actually waiting for the rest of it. As always, I'm missing lyrics. I'm missing some lyrics where I, I avoided the part where I go, is to. You know what's better than Tito's tacos? What? Tito's vodka. <laughs> Tito's vodka. There you go. So um, I, I was going through my emails today and I noticed that I have 19,651 emails in my email, in email inbox. And, you know, Juan, my partner, who's very, very organized, he's got 11. That's he's like got 11. Tom. And I'm like, how do you possibly keep up with all these emails? Yeah, Tom is the same way. Um, I have around 8,000 and it drives me crazy that I have so many. Yeah. And every now and then I'll, I'll dump some, but I, I feel like it's a life. It's going to be a lifetime um, situation. Yeah. I have me. no idea where to even start. Like, where would you even start dumping emails? And there's so much junk. Like there's a home security place that keeps sending me emails and I keep unsubscribing and they keep sending them and I keep unsubscribing. And I'm like, I should have some recourse against these guys. You know, I remember reading a couple of years ago that if you unsubscribe and they keep on sending you stuff, same thing with, with texts and, and uh, voicemail messages, right? Um, that you do have recourse. 
Like, what could I do? I could sue the home security company? You, you could. They, they, well, I don't know what other recourse is besides what are you going to like toilet paper their house? <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it would be to sue them because I have an ongoing situation with some car warranty company. Yeah. Yeah. And they have so many different numbers. I don't know if it's the same one, but they keep on saying, you know, if you want to renew your warranty, um, this is your last chance. And it obviously is not my last chance because they call me every day. I block the call. Yes. And then another one popped. They're like, wow. Yeah. And then another one pops up the next day. And I mean, I, I could, you know, actually take the, I could take the call or yeah, call. See, I, I never take, I don't take calls. I, I don't take, I don't. I don't take calls of numbers that I don't, but I, I don't, don't take calls from anybody. I don't want people to call me. I, you can send me a text, but I don't want to talk to you. I actually think it's rude to call somebody now. Yeah. I, I mean, you think it's rude to call somebody? Yeah. I think it's rude to call somebody. <laughs> like I don't call me, you know, send me well, a I text. Know what you mean. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't want, like, I'll talk to my mom on the phone. Um, and I'll talk to my brothers on the phone, but that's it. I don't want to talk to anybody else. Do not call me anymore. I know it's weird that it feels like an imposition when you're trying to get in touch with somebody. It does. It does. Send me a text and I'll call you back. How about that? I remember when cell phones first came out. I sound like the old timer, but I remember when cell phones first came out to make a call and to receive a call was a lot of money. Oh yeah. Right. It did cost money. Sure. So I met some guy once and, um, he said, uh, call me on my cell or something like that. And I didn't, I didn't know who the guy was. I mean, I didn't know him very, I didn't, I felt like I didn't know him well enough to call him on his right, cell phone. Right. So I looked at him and I said, the only way I call you on your cell phone is if you got me pregnant and my water broke. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me like, well, really? And I said, really? I said, I, I don't know you well enough to call you on your cell phone. It's so personal. It is. Yeah. And there was a time when it was a, re- a landline versus a cell phone. And you're right. It did cost money. So the landline was the cheaper way to reach somebody. Yeah. So uh, our guest today is an actor who is among the best martial arts stars in movies. He began his career as a martial artist in Hong Kong, quickly advancing to acting roles. He's appeared in films like Special Forces, The Bourne Ultimatum, The Expendables 2, Zero Dark Thirty, and Doctor Strange. His new film is One Shot. It is opening in theaters and on demand on November the 5th. Scott Atkins joins us. Scott, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. So one shot just blew us away. I mean, the whole concept, the way it was shot, all that stuff. Uh, But I kind of want to get into your backstory a little bit. Um, How did you start learning and and practicing martial arts? Uh, My dad and my brother, older brother, used to train in judo. And I, when I was 10 years old, I just went along because they did. And uh, they stopped a few years later and I continued. And then I went into various other different martial arts. And I just knew from a very young age that I wanted to make action films. I was a big fan of, you know, Schwarzenegger and Stallone and Van Damme came along, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. I just always knew that this is what I wanted to do. And of course, martial arts was, was a big part of that. Um, I'm a lifelong martial artist, still trained to this day. And yeah, it's just part of my life. Were you a natural? In other words, uh, with the moment you jumped in, did you know, hey, I, I'm really going to be good at this? Yeah, 
And I think that helped because I had a natural affinity for it. You know, I could already, before I went to, to train in Taekwondo, which was known for its kicking, I was, I'd never done a martial art that concentrated on kicking, but I was immediately probably the best kicker in the class, except for the instructor, Ron Sergio, and he was known for that. Uh, it just came naturally, yeah, all, all the kicks. I was very athletic and, um, I don't know, I had flexibility. I've actually got a left leg longer than the right. And my left leg... Does that help? Yeah, I think because I've got a flexible left leg because of that, maybe. But in, in turn, it's given me a bad back as I've got older. But um, yeah, I just everything clicked into place. It was meant to be. So I read that you come from a family of butchers. Um, did that have anything to do with your knife skills? <laughs> I wish I could cut the meat like my dad does. I wish I paid attention. Um, I used to go and work there on a Saturday for less than a pound an hour. My dad mm. would pay me, and it was uh, it's hard graft. And my dad, bless him, he tried to get me to 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 have a real job, a real trade under my belt. I forget about all this this foolishness, but I didn't listen. <laughs> and he says to me now. I'm glad you didn't listen to me, son, because otherwise you would have been grafting all your life like <laughs> I have been. And I say, do you know what, Dad? It turns out that being a martial arts action star, that's pretty tough work as well, mate. So don't sure. worry about <laughs> So your idol growing up was, uh, was Bruce Lee. His daughter, Shannon, has been on the show when she was talking about her book, Be Water, My Friend. And I've always said the greatest action movie of all time, for me at least, is Enter the Dragon. It, the the it, thing that thing is though, are we talking action movie or martial arts movie? That's oh, good question. Yeah, good question. There martial is a distinction. Movie, I'll go with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what is it about Bruce Lee that make made him different from everybody else? There was nobody like him before, and he was so incredibly unique that you just had to copy him. And he was a trendsetter and a trailblazer, and still to this day, he's he's an icon. You know, every so often, an individual comes along that is just so unique and ahead of his time that it just blows people's socks off. You know, somebody like Michael Jackson, somebody like Muhammad Ali, somebody like Bruce Lee. He he is and he always... I mean, he, he's the face of martial arts, isn't he? Yeah. He's the man. So... One shot, you play a Navy SEAL who's supposed to move a uh, foreign fighter named Mansoor from a black ops island to Washington, D.C. First off, it's made to look like one shot. I've always been blown away by this. You know, there are like sequences in movies that are one shot. I think about Children of Men and Alfonso Cuaron and uh, 1917, the movie 1917. How does that work? How did your director, James Nunn, create that illusion because there's no way it can actually be one shot, right? No, not for an action film. It's too dangerous and too intricate. I mean, imagine doing that whole scene and then right at the end, you've got to do this three-minute fight sequence. Well, what, what if you mess up? What if somebody gets stabbed in the eye? What if you forgot the choreography? Yeah. You know, and, what, and then with the guns as well and the explosions, it, it, it's impossible but what we tried to do was make, even though it's a sequence of shots all put together to seem like one continuous shot, we tried to make each shot as long as we could to legitimize it. So 
you know, it's not like a series of tiny cuts all put together. It's, you know, we've got takes in there that are 10 minutes long, mm. you know, and we don't really want to tell people where the, the edits might be. You know, I think we did a, we were very successful at, at hiding those edits. I was I watching for them and I could yeah. not find them. I mean, there's a few and, you know, we, we learned a few lessons and the, the weather was the, the toughest part because, you know, you could finish one shot. It's part of the pun. You finish one <laughs> shot and it's cloudy. And then the next day you've got to pick up from that place and the sun's out and you've got to wait for a bit of cloud to come across. And that was really frustrating, um, but very difficult. But yeah, it was, uh, it's impossible to do it. A one shot like that as an action film, I think. I mean, we'll see if somebody ever does. They did a samurai thing like that recently, but it's just a load of cutting with, with swords. The guns, the fights, the intricate moves, very difficult to do. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I was reading about you know the movie Rope that Alfred Hitchcock did, and apparently um, James Stewart um, didn't want to shoot it continuously because, well, not continuously, he didn't like the long takes. He thought yeah. that that it that that the camera he he thought that the camera was more important than the actors. But Hitchcock said he felt that if time too much time passed during um, the, in between cuts, it would ruin the suspense of the film. And knowing that you guys did it the way you did it, without cutting to other moments of the guys outside of of of, of the room that you were in. I think that it would have the movie definitely not wouldn't wouldn't have been as suspenseful. I think that it, it was that's what made the film as 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 wonderful as it is. Well, I think we have a really good script where it, the intensity amplifies as the movie goes along. You know, our characters are trying to get out of this situation, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And that, coupled with this continuous take and you know people can say that it's a gimmick if they want but i've always been a fan of, of the one take because i feel like as you're watching it, it, it it's it's pulling you in like this you know there's a reason that these amazing directors are, have done takes like this in the past you know spielberg and alfonso Cuarón, and you know all, all, all the others i can't think of the names now but it pulls you in and it makes it even more intense because there's no editing it almost seems more real and um, I think it worked perfectly. James Nunn, the director, was very clever in the way that he decided that he wanted the camera to be almost like a, a documentary sort of way about it. It's very visceral, it's very gritty, it's down and dirty. If you look at something like 1917, which is amazing, and it's slick and it's smooth and it's technically brilliant. And, you know, that's their style. But for our style, it's a lot more gritty. And I think for our particular story, which is, you know, takes place in an hour and 30 minutes. It works brilliantly for us. So you're shooting a chunk of the movie. I guess it, it comes in chunks, right? Um, if, if one actor gets something wrong, if one effect doesn't work, you got to go back to one, right? Yeah. And it's not just the actors. It's the boom operator. It's the camera guys. It's the first AD who's running around behind the camera and maybe we saw his foot. It's the special effects. It's, yeah, it's, it's everything, you know. There's many things that can go. It's the weather. A lot of things can go wrong. 
Um, and the worst situation to be in as an actor would be like if it's a 10 minute take and you don't come into it until eight minutes in and everyone's done brilliantly up to that point and you're thinking to yourself, oh God, I don't want to be the one to mess this up. Don't forget your lines, start putting pressure on yourself, freaking yourself out. And before you know it, you fumbled your lines. And everyone just looks at you like, Whoa. You know, being that you have a, a martial arts background, some of the scenes, um, the, the choreography with like the knife fights and, and scenes like that, did you have contributions um, come up with stuff yourself? I know that you had somebody choreograph, choreograph yeah. it, but how, how much involvement did you have in that? I'm very involved. And I was there two weeks or three weeks before we shot, I can't remember, with the um, fight coordinator, Tim Mann, who... I've done many films with, and he's one of the best in the business, and he's my go-to guy. But of course, I made so many of these films. I'm I'm, I'm very involved. Um, you know, it took a lot of advice from Sam Hargrave, who did Extraction, and he did uh, that big ten-minute one or in that. He's a friend of mine, and we were able to get some really valuable ad advice from him. And and yeah, you know, so I was really involved in. In all sides of it, really. But, the, you know, James didn't need that. Director James Knight, he did a fantastic job. And this is my third film with him. And he's really come into his own now. And I'm really proud of him and impressed of uh, uh, what he did with this film. He, he was amazing. So take take one of the fight sequences. Like uh, I'm thinking of the the one, not to spoil anything, there's one near the end with uh, one knife and you you're going at this guy. How long does it, take to choreograph a sequence like that like how, how much practice how much rehearsal how, how difficult is it to choreograph something like that uh, that fight was very intricate with the knife um, we wanted it to be fast and you know deadly but looked like someone would be w with a knife rather than oh here's my arm grab it you know we wanted it to be quick and Look like he's, he's really trying to stab me so it was a difficult fight to pull off um, I think it's about that sequence probably was, it's a three minute long fight we did it all legitimately in one go so you only see the one that we put in the movie you don't see all the other times that it either didn't work or wasn't as good I was and that, that we shot it chronologically that was the end of the movie I was done at that point I was hmm. absolutely shattered because you don't see the takes that didn't work, you know. It was so difficult, very, uh, very tiring and, you know, injuries and all the rest of it, but very rewarding as well now that it's done. What, what about the injuries? How, how often do you have, you know, a, a, a punch that lands or a knife that actually strikes in, in you? That, in that fight that you're talking about, I actually have a bloody lip and uh -huh. it's not makeup. Yeah. So was yeah. that a punch? I think the gun hit me in the face. And uh, oh. I remember uh, uh, Jess, who's an MMA fighter. He fought in the UFC. You know, he's the real deal cage fighter. He, in the middle of the take, he saw my bleeding lip and was like, oh shit, was that me? He didn't say that. But <laughs> that's, that's what he was thinking. But we were into it at that point. And because of the nature of it being one shot, you just, yeah, you gotta, you're just smacking the hell out of each other because... You'd rather hit a bit harder and, and make sure that it looks real than it not than it look fake, and you've got to do it again. Does it change the the, the um, shooting schedule when the, the when it's so physical? 
like you were saying how you were just so exhausted. Um, would you, well, would not you, for this one, because we, we, it was in our interest to shoot it chronologically. Actually, we didn't have Ryan Felipe for, we only had him on specific dates. So for him, we had to figure out a way to go back, but everything else was chronological. Um, so yeah, we're, we're okay with that. And, and, and you were shooting every day. It was not, not like you, you know, you, you would have one day off because it was so physical. No, you know, it's, uh, I think it was, um, I don't know if we had two days off at the weekend or one, I can't remember now, but mm-hmm. you know, you, you get a day off here and there. Okay. Some days were easier than others and some were incredibly hard. Uh, but of course the action is all kind of at the back end. Uh, so it was difficult. So there are so many like gripping, gripping, heavy moments in the movie. I'm thinking about, you know, one of the Navy SEALs dying and, and you're with him. Uh, the sequence where uh, that uh, the guy, the foreign fighter, puts on the suicide vest. And this is like really, really heavy stuff. Was this set intense? I mean, was were there, were there moments where, where people broke or was it just continuously intense? No, I wouldn't say it was intense. We were all very proud of what we were doing. We felt like it was a really worthy project. We all wanted to do our absolute best, but, you know, we still found time to, yeah, it's it's in England. You've got that sort of like busting your balls sort of culture, you know, lab talk, a lot of, you know, lads around, the Navy SEALs and all the rest of it. But, you know, we were serious about the work and we had some great actors that have done some fantastic performances the ones that you're talking about and, uh, you know, it's just professionals that, uh, you know, they're, they're there to do a good job. So, so much of the movie is, so many of your movies are filled with, you know, dark uh, violence. Does that, does that ever get to you? Like is you get this constant barrage in in your movies. It just seems, it seems heavy. Like what do you, what do you do to unwind at the end of the day? Watch some violent movie. <laughs> I love it, man. I love a bit of violence. I don't know. I, I think I'm a pretty normal guy that's got a healthy sense of humor and I feel like I'm a nice family man. But I love a bit of violence. Come on. You know, I miss the old 80s action movies where they were really violent. That's, that's you know, miss that stuff. I'm all about bringing some of that back. I just enjoy it. It's escapism. So is it fun? Is it fun? It's fun to do. It's fun to watch, I think. Oh, it's great to watch. It's great yeah. to watch. But I mean, it's intense as hell. I mean, as a viewer, it is like you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. And for me, I'm like, I watched it yesterday and I'm like, man, I need I need uh, to go. I actually went out to my jacuzzi and, and went for a good long soak and, <laughs> well, and, and read a happy book. It works on that level because it is intense, yeah, and it doesn't let up. And that's probably part of the, the continuous take because you don't want to take your eyes off it, but it's, it's locking you in, isn't it? Because there's no cutting, so you don't want to turn away. And so that's part of the whole experience and why people should check it out, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I pulled up a list on IMDb, 25 best martial arts actors and very impressive you are number 16 of all time number all 16 time. all right come on there's still time yet to get up the up the ladder <laughs> 16 is impressive man <laughs> that's impressive that's not good enough for me i need top 10 at least so <laughs> let let let's play a little game i will give you a martial arts star you give me a quick read on what they're great at what they're best okay. at all that kind of stuff 
So okay. let's start out with Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal came along with the Aikido, which no one had really seen on film at that point, done in such a vicious and violent way, I might add, that I really loved. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was compelling viewing, watching him snap bones. And yeah, those movies were hardcore, loved them. Now, do you really believe he's in the CIA? He often says he's uh, like in some sort of secret CIA no, I don't operation. Believe so. I don't believe it. It's a good act. Sorry, mate. Don't believe it. <laughs> okay, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Van Damme, like the ultimate sort of white white martial arts hero with an incredible physique. I mean, his physique, second to none, in my opinion, better than all of them. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger was Mr. Olymp Olympia for so long, but Van Damme's physique, perfect, you know, because it went with the martial arts and the athleticism. Um, and a big inspiration to me. One, you one made a movie with, with him, right? I've done a few with him. Yeah. yeah. He's sick of me now. <laughs> Got a restraining order out. <laughs> How about Jackie Chan? Yeah. Ultimate sort of stuntman, you know, actor stuntman, done so many of his own stunts, um, a, a real filmmaker, um, an incredible martial artist. And, you know, funny comedic performances that yeah. are just, you know, there's so much about what he does, which is incredible. You, you can't, you can't pin him down with that. You know, he's just a master of many crafts. Okay. Last one. And this is one of my dad's favorite stars of all, my late great dad, one of his favorite stars of all time. I think everybody's dad watched uh, Walker, Texas Ranger, uh, which was a long running show here uh, in the U S Chuck Norris. Yeah, Chuck Norris is, uh, yeah, at the time in, in the 70s, 80s, yeah, he was the man when it came to just delivering a one-liner and, and kicking someone in the face with a spinning crescent kick. Chuck Norris with the beard. I feel like I am the natural successor to Chuck. Is that right? You're the natural successor to Chuck Norris? I've put that out there, yeah, because... <laughs> You know, I'm a man's man. I've got a hairy chest. I can grow a mean beard. And I've got a pretty, pretty good spinning crescent kick, just like the Chuck. There you go. There you, you go. Uh, do you have an action figure? Is there I an action do. figure uh, of you? I've, I think they did one of uh, that uh, abomination of Deadpool that I was involved with. <laughs> so maybe there was that one. So uh, you are in the next uh, John Wick movie, chapter four of John Wick, which is coming out next Memorial Day. I love these John Wick movies. I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan. Uh, what, what can you say about John Wick 4? I think that the John Wick franchise is the best action franchise going at the moment. There is nothing better. Um, so for me to be involved is, is amazing. You know, I've known Chad Stahelski for a while, the director, and uh, I've been bugging him for a long time. And I was very happy when he gave me the phone call and, and said, I've written, I want to write a role for you in, in John Wick 4. I just want to know that you want to do it. And I was like, yeah, of course I want to do it, Chad. Come on. But please do me one favor. Make the role big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all you can say about it. That's all you can say. How's Keanu in terms of his martial arts? I mean, he's done so much with the Matrix. Neo. I mean, he's Neo. He's John Wick. What are what are his skills like? Well, 
you know, he didn't do martial arts as a kid. And I think when The Matrix came along, he trained for it, having never stretched a day in his life. And by the time he did the sequels to The Matrix, he, he was in great shape. You know, he's not, he might not be the most physically gifted martial artist you've, you've ever seen because he was playing catch up in many ways, you know. And I don't think he stayed in shape in between those movies. You know, it would all depend on whether it was an action film or not. But it's so impressive to see him, the work that he puts in. He, he never complains. Chad Stahelski asks a lot of him. You see him doing all of his own stuff in the John Wick movies and The Matrix. It's not easy what we do. And he absolutely put, puts the effort in. And you need to be someone that, that has no quit in them to, to, to make those movies and make so many of them. I mean, you think about the, the Matrix movies he's made. I mean, now he's done four John Wick films. Yep. He's done another Matrix film. The guy just keeps churning out action film after By the way, do you know those two movies are both supposed to come out on Memorial Day next year, both John Wick 4 and the new Matrix movie? I thought Matrix was coming out in December. Uh, no, it's, they're both, they're both Memorial Day next. It's like, it's a Keanu Reeves holiday next Memorial Day. That doesn't seem like very smart thing to do. <laughs> no, I think one of those movies is going to blink. Yeah. I think one of those movies will probably move, but at the moment, coming out December though, maybe I'm wrong. I think yeah. I, I, I'm a huge matrix fan. I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I thought both of them were scheduled for Memorial Day next year, which would make it officially the uh, Memorial Day weekend of Keanu Reeves. I think it's December, you know. Uh, you, you're sure? I'm not sure, but I think it is. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. the sooner the better. I'm a huge Matrix guy, yeah. so sooner the better. Um, all right. So you're, uh, we're looking forward to John Wick next year. Uh, your new movie is One Shot. It is available in theaters and on demand on November 5th. Scott, thanks a lot for doing this, man. Congratulations on the film. We appreciate it. Thanks very much. I, I really enjoyed the chat, guys. It, it was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. There's Scott Atkins. I am fascinated by those action sequences. Uh, crazy, crazy. Almost like, you know, almost like ballet, the way they're choreographed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, when he was talking about the injuries, um, I, I can't imagine that there aren't a lot of injuries in films like that. Oh. It's so fast-paced, too. And they've got weapons in their hands. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's guns and there's knives and there's, I mean, er everything throwing the, the kitchen sink at it. Right. And if you move your head, you know, like an inch in the wrong direction, you know, you're getting something, you know, you're, you're going to get hit with something. Yeah. So. Yeah. By the way, he was right. Matrix uh, Resurrection comes out in December. And then John Wick 4 is next Memorial Day. I love the Matrix movies. I love, you know, I love the the spiritual nature and this will sound weird. I don't know if you get this, the spiritual nature of the matrix films. Yeah. You know, I'm not a big matrix matrix person. What? What? I know you got to watch matrix. The, the original matrix. I did see the original matrix, but you know what? Red it, pill, blue pill, red yes. pill, blue pill. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you want to wake I, up to the reality of the world or do you just want to continue and join the Matrix, or do you just want to continue your everyday life? To me, that's what that movie is at its at its core. Do you want to be? Do you want to wake up, or do you want to be part of the collective dream of the world? 
You didn't get that, huh? It's not that I didn't get it. I just, um, they're, they're, they're just not my kind of films that I gravitate towards. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I, when, you, when I think of action films and, you know, like Bullet to me was like, no, Bullet's the, a great movie. Yeah. The French Connection and, and even Born Identity, you know, the first one. Um, I, those are the kind of um, action films that I really gravitate to. Bullet's great, by the way. Steve McQueen, that's an unbelievable car chase sequence in, in Bullet. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so are those your, uh, your favorite action movies of all time? Mm-hmm. So Bullet. French Connection. French Connection. And The Born Identity. Born Identity. Okay. So for me, and he made a distinction, which is important. Is it an action film or is it a martial arts film? Because there's, there's a difference. Now, for mm-hmm. me, my two favorite movies, uh, action movies, happen to be martial arts movies. Enter the Dragon, which I believe is just the definitive, ultimate, I mean, Bruce Lee, forget about it. Uh, that, to me, is the greatest action movie of all time. And then The Matrix. And the fighting sequences in The Matrix are all martial arts. So, and I mentioned the the red pill, blue pill. You know, <laughs> the the spiritual nature of that movie is is great. Um, then Terminator Two, which do you remember Terminator Two? What's your, what's your action movie vocabulary like? Do you remember Terminator Two? I didn't see two. I saw one. Okay, I saw the, the original one. Terminator Two features uh, my friend Robert Patrick, who I was in the Toyota Celebrity Grand Prix with, um, as liquid steel guy. And so it's got these sequences where he sort of reaches almost like Stretch Armstrong um, and is able to reach into things and then wind up there and wind up ready to fight, if you understand anything that I'm talking about. I do, I do. Yeah, liquid steel guy, Robert Patrick. So I put Terminator 2 there. Aliens. Not the first alien, but aliens where Sigourney Weaver is in that big contraption fighting gigantic aliens. To me, that's James Cameron. That's a great action movie. So are you saying that the first aliens you saw, you thought the second alien. So not, not the first one I thought was incredible. But the first one I thought was science fiction. The second one was actually action because it was a lot of fight sequences. You know what I'm saying? And it was that the one that Riser was in that one, right? Yeah, Paul Riser was in it. Yeah, he was sort of the, he was kind was of villain. villainy. Yeah, he was the villain. Right. Um, and then I put good old-fashioned Die Hard. Oh, yeah. Okay. Die Hard is just a mm-hmm. classic. And the unbelievable performance of Alan Rickman as the bad guy in that. Alan Rickman was so, so friggin' good. So I go, the, I enter the dragon, the Matrix, Terminator 2, Aliens. And Die Hard. Okay. Those are my five. Right. And it's not really your jam. It's not. What is your jam? My jam is more... I love that uh, we're talking about Sue's jam. What is Sue's <laughs> jam? Um, I like more... And, and this is going to sound like snooty, but more story driven not like particularly violent movies right you know? right um you know so more character driven more character driven yes yes so you know like a movie like the last picture show was just had so little action in it so little action <laughs> and just you know 
um, carnal knowledge. Yeah, you know, um, movies, movies. Like you, that. So I, I got the to graduate. I got to interview Peter Bogdanovich for one of my failed uh, PBS pilots. And uh, I had three of them, by the way, three failed PBS pilots, which may be a record. Uh, so Peter Bogdanovich did one of the shows and he was talking about Cloris Leachman in the last picture show. And of course she won the Oscar and she did her scene, her big scene and immediately was like, I want to do it again. I, w- I want to do it again. I think I can do that better. And Peter Bogdanovich looked at her and said, you already won the Oscar. And they never did a second take of that big scene with Cloris Leachman in Last Picture Show. Right. I remember when we talked to Ellen Burstyn, um, she said that that was the role that he wanted her to play. Oh, that's right. And she turned it down because she was going through a lot of personal um, issues that were too close to home. And she didn't want to go there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a great. See, I, I I love character driven stuff. I also love a good action movie. I love a good action movie. I love these. The John Wick movies are fantastic. Like in John Wick three, so the, the, they use all kinds of crazy weapons. So Boban Maranovich, uh, Marjanovic is a center. He's like seven foot five. He's in the NBA. I think I'm saying his last name right. Boban, we all call him. And he's in the opening scene, and it's in a library, and Keanu Reeves kills him with a library book. I can't it's, believe you just ruined the movie for me. <laughs> I ruined John Wick 3 for you. <laughs> no, just he kills him with a library book. I think that's just like classic John Wick. Classic John Wick. <laughs> he can kill you with anything. That's funny. Um, yeah. All right. Well, um, you know who likes action? Well, he doesn't like action, but he'll take action. If you are involved in any kind of uh, action, like a car accident, a motorcycle accident, um, a pedestrian accident or something happens at work, whatever that is. You want somebody who is the uh, biggest and the best at handling that stuff. And that is Jacob Imrani. Now, I always say biggest and the best. Jacob is a real person. Like I text back and forth with Jacob. Um, if you're involved in a situation, you'll be on the phone with Jacob. Uh, he's got a whole big team of people, but Jacob will give your case personal attention. Um, and you want somebody who's been doing this for 24 years. When the insurance companies find out that you're being represented by Jacob, they are like, all right, this, this just got real. This just got real. And that's why he's able to over and over again, get maximum compensation for the people that he's working with. So if you want both the biggest and the best and that personal attention, you want Jacob Imrani. 844-24-JACOB. That's 844-24-JACOB. 844-24-JACOB. Or remember the catchy jingle, accident or injury. Call Jacob and Ronnie. Call Call Jacob. Jacob. Okay. I think we're getting better. Yeah. I think we're on a roll. We've nailed it after... After 140 episodes, I think we figured it out. I love how your head kind of like goes away from the mic. Accident or injury. Yeah, I know. You always get a smirk on your face. Yeah. Yeah. You always get that little Sue smirk, the Kalinske smirk. Um, Well, as always, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please hit the subscribe button. You can leave us a rating, leave us a review. We always appreciate that. We also want to thank our sound engineer, Milos Jelenkovic, who does a great job for us. I think I'm saying his name right, too. Sounds like Uh, a hockey player. 
It does. It does. Uh, yeah, no, he does sound like a hockey player. You're right. Um, and uh, that's it. That was fun. That was fun. One shot. Go see it or uh, or watch it on on demand. It's you'll you'll be amazed that they do it all. The way it looks. The illusion that it's all happening in one sequence. Um, Sue, great seeing you as always. You too, Steve. And we will see everybody next time on the Culture Pop Podcast.